Thank you, Jesus. Well, I am happy. Hope you all are. So get your Bibles out. And I want to get into this message because I think the Lord wants to do some more stuff in your hearts. We're going to start Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 1. Story of Peter walking on the water. Or I should say the, the story of Peter attempting to walk on the water. Matthew 20, uh, excuse me. I'm in Sunday's message. Matthew 14, 22. I'm glad y'all are scholars and knew your Bible, knew I was in the wrong place. Matthew 14, 22. It said, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, and he set the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went onto the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when he saw and the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. Real spiritual giants, right? And they cried out for fear. And immediately, I mean, I guess it would be kind of freaky. I mean, I can't, I'm sorry, all you disciples that were on the boat that you heard this message. Uh, that would be kind of freaky. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was contrary, it was boisterous, he was afraid and, and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and he said to him, oh, you little, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Okay. We know the story. We read the story all the time. We hear it. But I just, a few points I want to say here before I get onto the message. Okay. Just think about this. There are, let's put ourselves in that place. They're in the boat. It's, these guys are fishermen. They shouldn't have been scared, but they're scared. It's such a bad sea. And so they see Jesus. He's just walking. Okay. I don't know how. I mean, I've gone over this thing a million times in my head. Was he walking up and down the waves? Was the waves parting? You know, what was happening? I don't know. We'll just have to watch the DVD when we get to heaven to find out. But the thing was, is that. He, you know, he's just walking along and he's not concerned. But they're fearful for their lives. And so then they know it's Jesus. And then Peter, you know, he's like, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's walking on water. And so he says to Jesus, can I do it too? Right? Now, my hat's off to Peter. You don't find anywhere else in the scriptures, you find nowhere else where a disciple saying, that was cool, Lord, you made the leprosy go off that leper. Can I do that? But you see, Peter wanting to get in the middle of what's going on. And so he says to Jesus, hey, can I come do it too? And so Jesus says, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat. Again, I've thought this over a bunch of times. You know, when he stepped out of the boat, when he stepped down in the water, was it hard? Was it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was standing, so it had to hold his weight up, but was it the waves tossing the boat up and down? Have you ever tried to get out of a boat in rough seas? It's not easy. Did it, it didn't stop then because Jesus didn't calm the storm till after the, the incident, so this boat's, you know, I'm saying it's pitching. 
And he jumps out, and can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it would feel like to have defied the laws of physics? You're out of the boat, kadunk. You're standing on hard ground, and Jesus is away from you. I don't know how far. I got to say, he probably wasn't too far, because when he said, hey, it's me, they recognized it was him. So, you know, within sight distance, you know, couldn't have been very far. But anyway... So then Peter starts walking, man, he's doing it. I don't know if it was wet. Was it dry? You know, but he's doing it. He's walking in his robe, sandals, and he's walking on the water, man. He's going to Jesus, and Jesus has got his hand held out. And they come on, Peter, yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing good. And then somewhere he gets distracted. Somewhere he starts looking to his left and his right, starts seeing the wind, starts seeing the seas. And he starts sinking. He doesn't fall. Right? He didn't just go. And then he's fighting to stay up. All right? He sinks to his knees. I don't know. You know, it doesn't tell us. But he's sinking. He's realizing he's having to step out of the water or something. I don't know. Okay? You can imagine this however you want to imagine it. But then he turns to Jesus while he's sinking, and he says, Lord, save me. Right? And then what does Jesus do? He does. He doesn't let him keep sinking, wait till he's, you know, like in quicksand, he's right down to the, you know, the last breath. You know, he reached out right then and saved him. As soon as Peter called, Jesus answered. Okay? So now go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 1. I titled this message, Never Going to Lose. And I wrote this up, and, and uh, then my wife comes home. We hadn't been together all day, and she came home and said, hey, you need to listen to this song, which I'm going to play for you at the end of the service, but that totally was my message. And I said, man, that's the Holy Ghost confirmation right there. So, so anyway... I know I'm on track here tonight for you, so you've got to get this in your heart. You need to write these scriptures down because you're going to want to take them home and you're going to memorize them and you're going to want to remember tonight. Okay, Romans 8, 1 says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's no condemnation in Christ. You've got to understand. You've got to understand the attitude of Jesus towards you. As a Christian, as a born-again believer, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no, he has no condemning eye for you. When he looked at Peter, he didn't say, ah, no, you couldn't do it. When he looked at Peter, he says, just like you, Peter, always want to up, show everybody else up. He didn't say anything condemning to Peter when he wanted to get out of the boat and walk on the water. He didn't say anything condemning to Peter. He never had a condemning bone in his body towards Peter even though he's just wanting to walk on the water. He's just wanting to experience the supernatural. Right? Now, religion doesn't teach that. Right? Religion teaches, who are you to think that God would want to do, have anything to do with you? But Jesus clearly shows us in, in that scripture in Matthew 14 there, in that story, that he's not condemning. There's, no, there's not a condemning thing. You've got to understand something. When you go to God in prayer, he is not condemning. There may be conviction 
of God wanting you to alter or change something so you can be more in fellowship with him, but there's no condemnation. There's a big difference. If God sees you and sees that you're doing something wrong that's hurting you, and he wants you to stop, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because he's looking out for your well-being, right? But he's not condemning. There's not a condemning bone in Jesus' body. All right? You've got to get out. Anything that, if you've been condemned, if you ever lived under guilt, you lived under, under shame, or you lived under people putting you down, and that's what you were raised under, you have got to get that out of your heart right now that God could have any attitude like that towards you. If somebody said, oh, you're, you know, you're such a mess up, you're such a, you always do everything wrong. You know, if that's how you were raised, listen to me, and you were put down and condemned, I'm sorry, but you got to get over that right now and let the power of the Holy Ghost come in there and break that in you because as long as you feel like God may be condemning you or you're self-condemning because you think you didn't do something right, you are not going to walk in the supernatural. You're not going to walk on the water. You're going to be hindered. You're always going to be hindered. You're always going to be looking at the waves. You're always going to be listening to the wind. Okay? Second thing here. Go to verse 28. It says in, in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I've heard this preached and kind of twisted around before, saying that you need to accept the fact of what's going on that's a hardship in your life because God's trying to show you something through this and he's going to teach you something through this and you need to just say, okay, God, I thank you for it. No, what the scripture means is that there is that that. All things, God's going to, all things, no matter what they are, he's always got good intentions for you to come out on top. Okay? He's got good intentions for you to come out on top. He's not trying to make you sick so you can learn something. He's not trying to, I mean, that's like taking a child and saying, okay, today I'm going to teach you how that fire is hot, so I'm going to burn your fingers so you know that fire is hot. That's not teaching a child anything. It's not what you do. That's not what God does. So what God does is you got to understand there's no condemnation in him and that every time he looks at you, he only looks at you for good intentions. Are you with me? Okay, third thing. Verse 31. I mean, in Romans 8, 31. So then what shall we say to these things? Listen to me. There is always going to be things. Everybody say there's always going to be things. You're not going to get away from things until you get to heaven. Okay. There's always going to be things. One thing I have learned in my walk with Jesus is that there are always going to be things. I don't want things. I don't want to deal with things. I want to just come to a place in life where I don't have any problems with things. Nothing ever comes up, nothing ever rises. But it seems to me that just about the time everything gets to where there are no things, well, then I just realize there's going to be something come up all right and we can't be upset when things come up because we live in a fallen world and that's what happens things happen in this world all right but he says something here what shall we say to these things you have to say th something to things when things arise you cannot be silent whatever point i'm on this is the third or fourth one you cannot be silent when things arise you cannot be silent. You have to say something to things. And what you have to say is, if God is for me, thing you can't be against me. 
Okay? Let me back up. God's not condemning. He's only got good thoughts for you. And God's not against you. He's for you. But you've got to say it. Your part in the whole scope of things is to say the right thing out of your mouth. I am never more convinced in my entire life that the key to walking with God successfully is what comes out of your mouth saying the right things to things. Ignoring it is not going to make it go away. You've got to say something. Your confession is very important. You've got to say something. You've got to say something to things. And part of what you've got to say to things is, if God's for me, who in the world can be against me? And the minute the thought comes to your mind, well, what if God's not for you? Well, then you say, well, you're a liar because God is for me. It says right here he's for me. God says right there he's got nothing but good intentions for me. He isn't condemning me. He loves me. He gave his son for me. These things are all for me. God is for me. So how can things have success over me? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How should he not with him also freely give us all things? All right. Who shall bring anything to a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Now, wait a minute. You see, what happens to us is when, we, when things happen, what we want to do is we want to take it into our legal court system. And so we've got the devil's attorney trying to convince you that you've done something or something's wrong or something, you know, it's all, it's your fault. You're not worthy to receive. You're not worthy to get anything from God. You're not, that's what the devil's doing. And, you know, if you've ever been around an attorney, I'm talking about in the natural, you know, they're pretty good at turning and twisting things around. You know, I pray you've never been around one, but if you have, you know that they got a way of twisting and turning everything around. That's what the devil's trying to do to you. But you're not in, listen to me, you're not in the natural court system. You're in the God court system. And in the God court system, if you have the blood of Jesus on you, you've already been justified, you've already been made righteous. It's just now the matter of, how is God going to bring it about for your benefit? Everything has to take place in the spiritual court before it takes place in the natural. Now, in the, nat- in the spiritual court, I'm already justified. I've already been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. I can walk into the throne room of God, to the court system of heaven. I can walk in there and say, I'm a son of God. I'm born again. I'm watching the blood of Jesus. And everybody say, yeah, you're in. Come on in. What do you need? Right? The natural court system's completely different. But if it's done in heaven, then it comes, it'll manifest on earth. So you don't really have to worry so much about the natural system because it's, once it's taken place in the spiritual system, it's going to kind of pass in the natural system. How do I know this? Because God's not condemning. God is good. He's got all his work and everything out for me. And I just got to say something to things. I just got to say what the truth is. The truth is God's for me. Who in the world will be against me? What do I have to show forth that? What do I have to give me confidence that God's going to do that? Jesus. If God was willing to sacrifice Jesus for me, right? That's my evidence. I don't need any more evidence than that. God was willing to give me Jesus 
to die on the cross for me so I could walk in that court system. If God was willing to do that, who am I to say, well, God, I really wouldn't have done that if that was me. Right? He's my evidence. He's my confidence. Jesus on the cross dying for me is my confidence, is my evidence that God will favor me in the court system of heaven. You following me? The devil wants to say, no, you know, you don't, Jimmy, you're not going to get good. You don't deserve good because of this, this, and this. But he's working on the natural court system. He's trying to pick out something over here that doesn't have anything to do with the spiritual court system. The next point, I don't, I'm lost. I didn't, I didn't remember these things. So I don't know which one I'm on. The next one, Romans 8, 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? So in other words, wait a minute. There's nothing. Do you notice that everything that he said here, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, all those are natural things? He's saying there's nothing in the natural system that can change my love for you. What kind of love? Agape love? The never-ending love of God? The love that knows no bounds and really makes no sense to natural human beings. Right? So hold on now. There's no condemnation. He's got good intentions for me. He can't bring anything to God's elect. And now his love, there's nothing that can stop Christ from loving me. I remember one time when I was a kid, I was young. I got in trouble. I did something. I was always in trouble. I did something. Got in trouble. My mom, maybe she won't listen to this tape and won't hear this, but she's not here tonight. So She was always the disciplinarian. My mom, all of five foot tall, you know, not a lot of fear there. But something happened, and I got in trouble, and I was in there, and I remember I went outside, and I was crying, and my dog came up to me, and he was licking my face. And I said to the dog, nobody loves me but you. I can still remember that to this day. Nobody loves me but you. I'm holding the dog. Dog's licking my face. The dog only loved me because I fed it, you know? But the point being... We get like that sometimes. We think nobody loves us. The devil has convinced us. He's turned everything around. We think, oh, if God really loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. One of the dumbest things I saw, the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest headline this week was the attack over that took place in, in Indonesia. And somebody's, and there's a headline that says, where is God? And I was like, you stupid idiots. I just wanted to just, just write up something to somebody and send it to somewhere. So you don't know what you're talking about. But people get like that. They, they, get, they get all distraught and think, God doesn't love me. If God loved me, this tribulation wouldn't be happening. Well, wait a minute. Have you said anything to the tribulation? Do you know where you stand? Are you taking your position as a child of God? And are you saying something to the things like, hey, God's got this well under control. God's for me. He's not against me. God's got good intentions for me. There's no condemnation to my God. He loves me so much he sent Jesus for me, and there's nothing that can separate that. I mean, man, folks, this is some good stuff tonight. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. You can even go out and do something really bad, and people can turn on you and say, you're a terrible person. But it doesn't make any difference. It did not separate you from the love of God. You can get back up on your feet and get going again if you get your heart right. Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. God's love is, 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 is just going for you all the time. 
Won't overcome you, won't overpower you, won't just jump on you. His love is just expanding and expanding, expanding like the universe is expanding all the time for you. But yet we let things rise up. And we let things talk their way into our lives and that they are so big and they're so powerful and they're so strong. They're just a thing that needs to be addressed by you saying something. Okay? Get down to verse 37. Yea, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, wait a minute. Now he took it into another realm. Now, he, the first one was just distress and persecutions and trials. Now he took it into angels and, 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 and principalities and powers. He took it into the spiritual realm. He said, listen, there's nothing in the spiritual realm that can separate you from the love of God. Okay? That's how much God's for you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, go back up to verse 34. Okay, so I've told you all this stuff. I've told you all this stuff of your position and your, your, your position in the courts of heaven. Okay? All this thinking, you've got to get straight in your head about your God and the way he looks at you, okay? Now, just in case you think, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, this is good, but I still don't know if I can do it, Pastor. I still don't know if I can make it. Okay, so let me give you a little bit more. Verse 34 says something here that's mind-blowing. <clears throat> It says, who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore has also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Now, wait a minute. If Jesus, Jesus, everybody see Jesus, is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and he's interceding for you, what's God going to ignore him? Uh, I don't want to talk to the hand. It's Jesus praying for you, interceding. You think he doesn't carry some clout? If you want to have favor with somebody, the person to have favor with would be the one sitting at the right hand of the throne of God who can have a direct hotline to the Father, right? If you want to, if you feel like, well, you know, everybody, you know, there's white privilege and this privilege and that privilege and this person over here. This everybody's got an advantage over me, folks. I just would like to know that I've got favor with the guy sitting beside the Creator of the world, who's going to intercede for me. So, in case you thought you were all alone in your problem, wait a minute. You're not all alone. Jesus Himself is talking to the Father on your behalf. I say it pulls pretty good weight. But he didn't think that was enough. He wanted to give you even more. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now the Holy Ghost is praying for you too. If it wasn't enough that the Son of God is interceding for you, the Holy Ghost is also interceding for you too. Now skip over to... Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Matthew 6, 31. Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Okay, now hold on. 
The Father knows you have needs. Jesus is interceding for your needs. And the Holy Ghost is helping you and interceding for you to get those needs met. To a God who actually does not condemn you, wants good for you, loves you, says nothing can separate you from the love of God. How can you lose? Now right there, I should stop, but I can't do it. Because I have to give you the last one. Go to the book of James, chapter 1. There's only one way you can lose. James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. The only way you're not going to walk in everything I preached to you tonight is if you fall into the trap of doubt, which is what the enemy's specialty is, getting you to doubt what Romans 8 says. And I'm telling you, if you would just rise up and say to things, what I've shared with you tonight, God loves me. He's not against me. He's for me. Sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He's not scared of you, so I'm not scared of you. Jesus, I thank you for interceding to the Father for me right now to see this comes to pass. Holy Ghost, I thank you for interceding for me and giving me wisdom and understanding of how to handle this situation. And Lord, I'm just going to smile through it because it's all taken care of. All of a sudden, things are like, uh, they send back down to the lower sectors of hell. We've got a problem over here with number six. You can't quite get them to get into doubt and unbelief this morning. They're throwing a bunch of word up here, and we can't get around it. He said, well, I've been doing this, but I haven't seen anything change. Oh, it's because you're looking in the natural, not in the spiritual. Quit looking in the natural court to see something change and get it changed in the spiritual court first. On April the 18th, like I, I can't even, I can't even, I, I, if I told you what my dream was that I woke up with this morning, y'all would be wanting to commit me to the mental institution. It was bad. It was worse than any pizza dream you've ever had. It's ridiculousness, ridiculousness. Didn't make any sense. So I'm not always prone to waking up with godly dreams, but God has always spoken to me in dreams. And the other morning I wake up, April the 18th, wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, my eyes open up. The Holy Spirit says to me, today is the day of your deliverance. And I said, really? Huh, praise God. Now, I want you all to know something. In the natural, I haven't seen anything change. But inside of my heart, I know that I was delivered on that day in the courts of heaven. It was my day of deliverance. I went and wrote it down, May 18th. I mean, April 18th, I have been delivered. I was delivered. And I, I, know, with all, I know now that everything in the natural has to start changing and lining up. Okay. Now, I didn't just pray the 17th and got delivered on the 18th, okay? But I just know now something's changed because it changed in the spiritual realm, and it will manifest in the natural realm in its own good time, all right? But I know I'm delivered, all right? Instantly, the enemy wants to throw things at me. Instantly, things come up and rise up to say that that's not true. 
And I just say, I don't know. I don't care what it says. I know what I heard. <laughs> like I said, if you knew the dream I had this morning, you'd say, yeah, it's a God dream he had the other day, bro. Y'all with me? That's where you got to get to. And how do you get there? Right there, what it said in Romans 8. So then my wife comes home. I got this message written up. She doesn't know I'm going to preach this tonight. And so do you have that video? And so she comes home. She says, there's a new song. You need to listen to it. And she shows me the video. And so here's the song. Amen. All you need to do is praise. All you need to do is worship. And make it all come to pass. Amen. Let's just stand up. And just lift your hands towards heaven and just praise him there. Right there in your own way. Just worship him and praise him. Thank him. Lord, we just worship you tonight. We praise you that you are our defender and that, God, you're always making all this happen. We praise you and worship you, Lord God, that you love us with that unending love, that, Lord, we have Jesus to always stand and, and, and to know, Lord God, in our hearts that you have us and you're going to defend us and you're going to love us and you're not condemning and you only have good intentions for us, Lord. And we stand here tonight and we praise this wonderful God. We praise you, the one and only true God who loves us, who loves us, who loves us. Now, Lord, right now we repent of all the doubt and unbelief. We repent when we've been like Peter and we've looked at the waves and we've listened to the wind blow and we've listened to the voice of the enemy nagging us and and lying to us, and we've, we've accepted that. We've, we've thought that that really was going to come to pass. Lord, we just repent for that right now. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are a defender. And we see the way. We see the way right now. Jesus, I thank you that you are interceding for each and every one of us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're showing us and interceding for us at all times, giving us wisdom. And Lord, we just praise you that, Father, you know exactly what each and every one of us need. You know exactly where each and every one of us need to be with you. And so tonight, Lord, we just lay it all down. And we praise and we worship you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, each and every one of you can praise him. Each and every one of you can worship him. And that's really all you got to do. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, that's all you got to do. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for our wife that hears the Holy Ghost and brought that song home. Amen? Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.